0: Right, this is episode 7 of uh, Jamming With Words. I can't believe it's episode 7 already. Um, And today I'm joined by an incredibly special guest. um, An actor who has been in several films, TV shows. Someone who I'm very honoured to be speaking to right now. uh, Mr. Michael Seamus Wiles. Michael, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing
0: this evening, Ben? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm um, tired, but good. Um, We were just discussing how uh, it's early... Well, it's morning for you over in L.A. And it's the flip side for you. It's in the evening now? Yeah, it's um, 6 o'clock, so it's dark now. It's around about that time where I start to get tired. Even though I'm only 25 i uh i get t- I get tired so soon now um but um uh,
1: you know it's strange days right now ben i think everybody's tired
0: yeah i was gonna say that 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 kind of leads to my first sort of topic really about how strange life is right now um are you are you finding it like w- the past year has it been bizarre for you as well has it been weird
1: it's been very surreal it's You know, life just in its regular formation of, of what it is uh, can be strange, but to have this weird pandemic and shutdown and uh, uh, strange routine that, you know, not just uh, people in Los Angeles or in Great Britain uh, have, uh, but all around the world, it's, mm. it's very weird. It's, and hopefully we all get through it, so we have that uh, experience of being able to say to our you know children and our grandchildren, "Yes, I lived through the pandemic of yeah. 2020 and the craziness of the world, and we yeah. came out the other side, and uh, you know hopefully things got even better."
0: Yeah, we can only hope. And um, I mean, yeah, it hasn't been feeling that way. But if you lose your spirit, then you lose. Then there's no, you know. You've got to stay positive, I guess, through all the. Uh, we've all got
1: that. to. What else we got,
0: man? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And um, right now, um, I feel like people are starting to get find love for things again, or they've found a new appreciation for things. I certainly have. Um, I don't know it, through throughout. So the past year, then, have you been? What have you been doing to keep yourself sane? <laughs>
1: I'm a big reader. I tend to read quite a bit, and I, you know, I'm past the days when uh, I used to be a big drinker and a smoker. And as I've gotten older, I've, you know, decided I want to be around a little bit longer. And I wasn't always, uh, you know, uh, in a good place when I was doing those. Mm-hmm. And so now my major advice is uh, if I feel about a good book, or if I. Uh, read something or uh, had someone uh, recommend it to me, and it's like, okay, I'll get it.
0: Okay, so, so
1: uh, you know, in the meantime, there are all these piles
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: around uh, my place now that my wife has to navigate and get <laughs> around, and uh, it's like, you know, can you try to put them all in one section or get them over here or whatnot? <laughs> So, but if that's my worst bias right now,
0: that's not too bad. No, I was going to say, like, I'm trying to read more. What What is your... Have you got a favourite book ever?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Because I, I have you. so many different books.
0: Uh, or one uh, of them like at least. I,
1: um, the Nick Adams stories. By Ernest Hemingway. I grew up in rural Michigan and he came from, I believe, Oak Park, Illinois, but his family had a cabin in the upper part of Michigan. Mm. And, uh, you know, Michigan is this incredibly beautiful state with lots of rivers and lakes and mm. forests and uh then you can go on from the lower peninsula of michigan up into the upper peninsula and it's uh, you know you have the great lakes and lake superior and all this mm. and his stories of him being um uh, uh a child and growing into a young man uh and navigating these places in the the great northern parts of, of michigan uh level really speak to me
0: because that you know i kind of navigated
1: those same grounds as a young adult so it's very personal but i like
0: a lot of different things yeah my my uncle actually lives in michigan he
1: uh oh yeah where
0: well okay good question he so he was (laughs) he's from where i am birmingham in the uk but then he met his wife um and she lives in michigan I've got a feeling it's Detroit. Um, I know that's really kind of the most generic name I can think of, but I genuinely think it is Detroit.
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with Detroit. Detroit has had its own big journey of, you know, being this manufacturing megalopolis and now, you know, going through that and coming out the other side Mm. and uh, being kind of reclaimed by artisans and, and whatnot. And There was a time when... It looked like the movie industry was going to start kind of a, a beachhead there. There were a lot of old factory spaces that were being looked at for uh, studios. And hmm. they even had a pretty good incentive program for film uh, for a while, but then they kind of disappeared. The incentives had disappeared, and uh, it didn't get fully
0: realized. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, it, I've been to America twice. I've been to North Carolina twice. Um to see my my best friend lives over there, but I I do intend to go to um to Michigan. So, I will um I I definitely want to go now. You've sold it to me um about all the oh. about all the lakes and stuff, but um I actually read a Hemingway book the other day. I read the uh, the old man and the sea. Um Oh, that's
1: a good one. Yeah.
0: So, it's good that you know i feel like people are starting to really fall in love with books again and it feels really bad saying again because um but it's just the way it's gone technology has taken over but i feel like people are starting to realize that being glued to a phone screen is no good for them and and to just put their phone down and get a book out there's no feeling like it really i really do i can see why that well, would feel i think yeah.
1: this you know pandemic has kind of accelerated that too um it's and, and I have books. I have an iPad, and I have a, a bunch of books on my iPad. But there's something about having uh, the physical object itself, and you know, the,
0: the textual yeah. uh, manifestation of it. it it's uh, there's nothing. I'm like it. old
1: school. I mean, I look at my kids. My kids are uh, much more acclimated to, uh, you know, doing things.
0: Via phone and uh, iPad and computer than I am. Mm-hmm. They're, they're dragging me, quick, uh, you know, kicking and screaming, <laughs> you know, from being a Cromanian man into the modern age. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with sticking to the 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 older ways, though. Like like I always say, I prefer um I prefer just having having an actual book than reading it on a screen. Um, but yeah, so really looking at moving on to, the, to your career then right so looking at looking at your achievements first of all I'm so incredibly jealous that you were in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film because uh, those are some of my favourite films not for everyone not for everyone
1: oh you know what it's it, I was in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film but I also got to work with Toby Hooper on a film too that he directed
0: oh my gosh and I didn't I, know that
1: you know there's um, a this feeling you, know, you have, a, an experience that you have, if you watch the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and the time that it at the time that it came out, being so totally unlike anything else mm. that was even out, mm. that it just you know it was shocking and raw and revolting and you know enticing and all these different things mm-hmm. and um, you know, watch it now, and it's still got a lot of power to it one
0: hundred percent one hundred percent it's it's still to this day I would say my favorite horror movie, and I've watched a lot of horror movies um like you say there's nothing like it what what was what was he like then what was was he what was he like as a person
1: he was very very low-key he was a very sweet man i mean you know he had gone through you know uh, i think this is i'm I'm not revealing anything here you know his own hard times. yes you know getting involved with the industry of filmmaking and uh compromises you have to make and you know Types of people that you have to navigate for, but he was still able to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know,
0: I kick my hat to him mm-hmm. for
1: being able to do that because, uh, you know, some things definitely, this business can definitely take its toll on, on you if you let it.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine. Um, so that was 1990, wasn't it, when that film came out, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3? It's actually called Leatherface, wasn't it? Um,
1: yes, it was.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so you were in that. You've also been in huge films like Iron Man um, three, um, Death Note, which is quite a recent one. Four years, three years, three years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you get
1: to a point that you know I had, uh, you know. Making, making films and, and life, life and all sorts of things, it kind of ebbs and flows. And there uh, are times when you're real, real busy and times when you're not as busy. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a fundamental shift in what stories are being told now. And uh, I don't think it's any surprise that, that you know, for a long time, the, the main story being told was that of the white male. Mm. And now you have uh, an era and a, a time that you know the the variance mm-hmm. and the depth of peoples and uh, situations has broadened immensely, which is
0: really really good. Yeah.
1: And um, those other stories are being told, and it's not to say they're. Aren't white males, which tend to be the roles I play, mm. um, uh, aren't in mm-hmm. those. They aren't as predominant, and I'm getting
0: older now too. Yeah. well, I'm looking more and more like five miles
1: of dirt. Well, so <laughs> never, never, ever too old. Never. Um, uh, well, that's what I'm hoping.
0: <laughs> so, do you do you like this? Is probably a generic question, but do you do you still get nervous in fr- in front of cameras?
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, um, I'm someone who's done a lot of theater too in, in my life, and there's something about that, uh, about uh, performing for a live audience, and then having the the kind of switch to that to performing for your director and the crew mm. that uh, is different. And the same in some aspects, but, uh, you know, you come out and you want to be a professional. It's like, I don't want to be the person that slows things up. I want to, you know, bring whatever uh, aspect it is of me that they wanted for this role to the front so we can, you know, blend in this banquet with the rest of all the other ingredients that are going
0: into it mm-hmm. I, I can i can totally understand that i think um it's like if you perform to a crowd it's like music when you perform to a crowd you've got that buzz but when you're performing in a studio and you've got people watching you you know so immense so closely so intensely they're similar but they're different aren't they at the same time
1: well because they're part of the process too you know they're fixating on the sound level they're fixating on the lights and what that is bringing to uh, you know the the performances and this picture uh, that the director is trying to create and you have the costume person you know going oh that looks great oh god that looks terrible why did I pick that you know it's everyone's got something else they're focusing on instead of uh Whereas in a theater piece, you have an audience member who is giving
0: himself over to Mm. the experience and letting it, um, envelop him. That's a, yeah, that, yeah, I didn't, that's a real great way of looking at it. To be fair, there's so, there's so much that goes on. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not an expert. I've never been in a film. I've never been in a TV show, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and, um, you are right. People are just focusing on different things, aren't they? Um, but but you said so. You, you've done a lot of theater. What what actually initially made you like get into acting? Like, did you just wake up one day and was like, I want to act? Well, no. It's you
1: know, I'm i have always been kind of envious of those people from a young age that know exactly what they want to do. Because I was not that at all. I was someone that kind of. Bounced around and did things. It's uh, you know I went to you know here in the states they have you know high school. I went through my grade school and high school, and my father was actually a high school teacher. And uh, uh, asked me, it's like, oh, well, you gonna go to college? Where you wanna go? And I'm like, no, I don't think maybe I wanna join a commune. Mm. Do that, and mm-hmm. it's like, right, What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, you need to, to move forward and have a plan and a goal and whatnot. And it was, I very much didn't have one, I just wanted to experience.
0: Yeah, and
1: so I took a year off and I worked, I didn't make it to a commune, I worked in a meatpacking plant. Right. In a room called the Sausage Room, and we made uh, tabassi
0: sausages and hamburger and whatnot, and I did that for a summer. Right. And then got
1: a job at a piano factory, making pianos.
0: Whoa.
1: I worked in the rough mill, and uh, railroad cars would come in with uh, raw lumber, and we'd cut it up and make it into smaller pieces for... uh, And I was working on this one song with a gentleman who was the father of one of the kids I had gone to high school with, and he'd been there 20 some years. I'm like, in my mind, I'm going, well, I don't really want to do this for the rest
0: of my life. (laughs) No, definitely. So
1: I had been a halfway decent football player when I was in high school. And a mm-hmm. friend of mine had gone to this one university and was playing football there. And uh, they were a small Division Two school here in the States. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mike, come up and football. You, you'd be good. You ought to come up here. And it was in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything else. You know, okay, I'll go try that. Yeah. And I went up and was going to school at Northern Michigan University and played football, which I really enjoyed when I'd been in high school, but not so much when I got into college. It was a different thing. They were taking it much more seriously. And as far as regards of, I want to make a career out of this. I Mm -hmm. want to be a professional and do this. And that's not necessarily what I wanted to do. No. But my roommate in the dormitory I was living in happened to be a theater major. And I had done some plays in high school and I never thought there were anything that I wanted to do. Never even, you know, beyond that, thought about as a career or anything. Mm-hmm. And he said, make me a bit old hand bone. Why don't you go out for one of these plays? And I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm not real serious. Like, gosh, She goes, No. He goes, you know, I know you'd be more serious about that than I see you with football. So I went out and ended up getting cast in this freshman production. And it was about, uh, burying my heart, it warned me about the American Indians and know, when there had been another uprising, the initial "bury My Heart of Wondering Me and then how it correlated to modern times. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they had a musical they were getting ready to do. And they ended up doing West Side Story. And I'm not like a big song and dance guy. That's not really my forte. right? But I ended up getting cast in that. And
0: I had a lot of fun doing it, And they offered me a scholarship. Oh, wow. Which
1: was good because I would lost the one from football because I yeah. wasn't playing football anymore. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And from there I went to doing summer stock and regional theater and then found a group of other actors that I had worked with that we were all in our early 20s, and we're like, all right, where do we want to go? We want to go to New York, and we want to go to Los Angeles. Mm. And we're all from the Midwest, and the Midwest, you know, the cold and snow, and has the changes, of things, and it's kind of like New York mm-hmm. yeah, It's going to be like that, except it's going to be real, real gritty, and in the city, and we're like, but you know, it's sunny out in Los Angeles. <laughs> on, That's always better. Palm trees. And we can do that, and, you know. Hopefully, we can, you know, break into television and film. Mm-hmm. And so, I moved to Los Angeles with three other guys, and uh, you know, our girlfriends and whatnot. We came out here in the early '80s, didn't know the city at all, didn't know anybody out here, and literally got a Los Angeles Times, and then it's where it can we afford to live? Mm-hmm. And we found this section of Los Angeles called El Sereno. It was in East L.A. in the middle of the barrio. Well, barrio, we don't know. We don't know any neighborhood. We don't know anything about anything. But we could afford it. Mm-hmm. And we ended up living there for about, oh, I want to say for about a year until we got more acclimated with the city mm-hmm. and had our, our part-time Jobs that we had to work and try to get involved in the theater community and the film community, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually it took hold. And out of that group, um, there is only myself and one other guy who actually played Leatherface in the Leatherface film that I was in. Oh wow! An actor named R. A. Mahalov. Oh, I've known. God since our early 20s back in Ohio Wow! and R.A. is still doing films in the horror genre and uh, the rest of my friends from that group who um, along the way have either gotten married or got into some other field or you know had uh, you know various demons they had to address and you know luckily um came through it, and, you know, are still around today, just in in various different fields.
0: Yeah. So, to be fair, you, you, if it wasn't for the person you were living, you know, were staying with, you wouldn't have got to where you are now? No, definitely, uh, definitely. uh, um, He literally talked me into it,
1: and it was, you know, the first time I did summer stock, and it was like, you know, people pay me to do this yeah. because, you know, it, it's work, but it doesn't really feel like work. I mean, no. You know, don't tell anybody, but it doesn't really feel <laughs>
0: like work. Like working in a meat factory kind of work, no?
1: Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, in. In reality, it's a lot of work, but you know, it's at that point in my life, I was like, "Oh God, I'd do this for free. Don't
0: tell anybody." Yeah, um, yeah, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it.
1: Yes, I did very much so.
0: Yeah, and just out of curiosity, because I'm a huge um, American football fan, um, what what position did you play, or you know?
1: Well, long ago and far away <laughs> in a universe long ago and far away, <laughs> I was actually. Fast and in really good shape. I mean, I'm six foot three, and I've probably got uh, oh an extra ten pounds on me now. I weigh like about 210, 215. Okay. But I played the defensive end, but I was actually halfway fast.
0: Oh. And so I
1: would play like an outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Wow. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was back like in the mid seventies.
0: So. I have to say, I'm so envious of um, you, you know the way you guys over in America celebrate sports is just a whole nother level compared to us. We we like oh, it's our religion. Oh yeah, it's but religion over here. I mean, to be fair, you know it's our version of football. So your guys, you guys will call it soccer. Um, we we love it over here, but I'm more into. Oh, I know, I
1: know. Big football fans over there too.
0: Yeah, I, I I love American football. I'm a big Carolina Panthers fan. Um absolutely love it. I think it's an amazing sport. Um, that's really interesting actually that you kind of just took a leap and you know, you went to LA and um all the I suppose opportunities arose. Um out of all of your roles, is there any that you favour the most that you look back on and think, I really loved my time on that show or film?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's, they've all got a story to them, I mean, obviously, there are, um, certain things, I I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing Fight Club, but I really enjoyed doing Lost Highway, and, uh, I really enjoyed being in Breaking Bad, I enjoyed, Mm-hmm. being in Sons of Anarchy I mean you know they all are different mixes and different people you get to work with and that's really exciting and some of those projects um, I meet people from before that I worked with on a different project and all of a sudden we got to work together again on a di- this project yeah, which is always nice you like being able to work with people that you had a good experience with before
0: oh, of course yeah
1: but, yeah, I like a lot of Mike and Young. Obviously, I love Breaking Bad. You know, I got to be really good friends with Dean and Michael, mm. um, our little uh, group of DEA, DEA officers, you know. Uh, <laughs> so we had a good time working with each other. We enjoyed each other's company. Um, on Sons of Anarchy, I had known Mark Boone before. Yeah. I had worked on that show, and then to work with him on the show and getting to know Charlie and some of the other actors, uh, and uh, I really just enjoyed it a lot. And it was fun. You know, very much a boys' club with Sons of Anarchy. Uh, The the tone on uh, Breaking Bad, very different. Uh, I had known Vince Gilligan, because Vince had been a producer writer on the X-Files and I had been on the X-Files. Yeah. And had met him, in fact, how I came to be on Breaking Bad was kind of a weird kind of little thing. It was, there was a woman uh, who was still a casting person um, uh, who, on that show, uh, oh God, I'm spacing on a name right now. (laughs) So was casting the show, and they had already done an abbreviated first season, because there had been a actor strike here in the States, Yeah, and so, uh, Sharon Bialik, yeah. so I get this call one day at home, and it changed, she goes, Mike, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, Sharon, uh, I just took out some garbage, I'm getting ready to do some laundry right now Uh, why well what's up she goes well i'm working on this show called breaking Bad, and we've got this character that's going to do at least two episodes Mm -hmm. and we don't know what else and i've been bouncing actors off vince gilligan and your name came up and i said well vince what about Mike Wiles, and he goes, oh, yeah, Mike Wiles, Mike Wiles, (laughs) Mike Wiles would be great, hire him.
0: Oh, okay, that's great.
1: So, she goes, are you interested in doing it? And I'm like, sure, when does it start? And this was, like, on a Tuesday, and she goes, well, you'll start on Thursday. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So (laughs)
0: That's quick. I, you
1: know, end up flying to, you know, Albuquerque, and I go there, and... I do these two episodes so I'm there for a little bit of time and I'm meeting the writers and, uh, you know, uh, talking to them and they're like, Oh, we really like what you do with your eyes. And I'm like, okay. Um, and it morphed into this character that ended up doing three, four episodes a season for the next four years. Wow. And, uh, it was, uh,
0: you know, a, a great gig with great people. Yeah, it's, um, honestly, um, I don't know many people who haven't seen Breaking Bad, and I don't know many people who haven't seen Sons of Anarchy, um, but Breaking Bad in particular, just a phenomenal show from start to finish. Um, and I'm sure it was an absolutely amazing experience. Did you Did you expect it to be as popular as it was? Um
1: point where you know we all thought it was good uh-huh. and you know it's acting is a very you know in a team of profession it is very strange sometimes sometimes you do jobs and let's say the material or the people that you're working with aren't your favorite uh-huh. but it's a job Mm. You're working and you're able to still practice your craft and still get out there. Mm-hmm. But every now and then you have these things that happen where all the stars align in the bike kind of way. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what happened with Breaking Bad. It became um, kind of this cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. that's people were, were really, really into and uh, to be honest, uh, Vince had already had that because to an extent I had kinda had it in, in the small regard that I was involved with the X Files. The X Files were, was this show that was this small show that never really people thought that much about and it just the audience for it kept growing and yeah. his cultural awareness about it kept growing and then it kind of had its zeitgeist moment yeah. you know um and to have those kind of things happen uh within your career those knock on wood kind of phenomena that you're like very very lucky to have mm-hmm. because I know a lot of Really good actors and actresses
0: that Mm -hmm. have been good in innumerable things, yeah,
1: but have not had that one thing that you know defines an era or defines a moment, yeah, um, as far as a group consciousness uh, with your audience, Uh, yeah. So, I feel very, very fortunate.
0: Yeah, and honestly, in Breaking Bad, like, like I say, everyone was cast perfectly, but like, um, Dean is, Dean Norris is one of my favourites as well, so you work closely with him, obviously, being his, oh, being his character.
1: boss. Dean is from South Bend, in, uh, Indiana, which is just south of where I grew up, so he and I had a lot of common experiences to that region that we grew up in, and, uh. We were both uh, notorious uh tipplers too, so uh, you know, we'd get done with our work and it'd be all right, well, where we gonna go have a drink? Oh, okay. And uh, you know, did our fair share of carousing and inviting and uh, you know, luckily lived through it to to the next
0: day. <laughs> I mean, is he very much um is he very much like Hank? in the sense of, you know, cracking jokes all the time. There
1: is definitely an aspect of Hank that (laughs) Dean has, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, could get a a little more uh, uh, extrapolated out sometimes in real life. But a very good guy, and I I loved working with him. I had a lot of fun working
0: with him. Um, Sons of Anarchy. Um, This is going to sound like a really random question and I don't if if it's too stupid to answer please feel free to ignore it but was it really was it really hot wearing those leather jackets and
1: filming <laughs> you know what there's a strange thing with that um where yes at times it was right but there I, you know were other times where you're so intent in what you have to do within the confines of the scene
0: yeah
1: that that kind of falls by the wayside, and you're not even thinking about it. Right. Okay. Because you're so intent in what you're involved in
0: doing. Yeah. That. Oh, it is hot. Oh, god. You know, it's a hundred <laughs> something. I. Oh, no, god. Well, oh, I'm soaking
1: wet. I guess I was hot. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, when you get to that right place, when you're working, that you can forget like that, you, you feel really, really fortunate, or at least I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's another great show, really. I'm um, a huge fan. Um, Charlie Hunnam's another great actor as well. You said you worked with him. Um, I suppose very
1: low-key, very nice gentleman. Very, yeah. very nice. I've got nothing but good things to say about
0: him. Yeah, he seems like a very humble guy. He's also from England as well. He does an amazing American accent. Yes,
1: he is. And it's, it's very funny when you have someone who uh, talks with his American accent... Yeah, <laughs> during filming, and as soon as the camera stops, it goes back to a British
0: accent. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, very British. Um,
1: Which, I, you know, I find very endearing.
0: Oh, really? I mean, I was going to say to you, prior to this interview, I do apologise for how um, common and um, disgusting my accent is in comparison to... <laughs> uh,
1: ben, I don't think that at all. I don't know enough about the regional accents and different dialects and everything oh. in Great Britain to.
0: Well, my, all I can say is the the area where I'm from Birmingham was voted the worst accent in the UK. So that's that's all I'm gonna say. Well, you know, you, you tell him, tell him,
1: uh, you know, you're you're changing
0: that, Ben. Oh yeah, oh thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna try. Um, but no, so two huge names, Breaking Bad and Sons of Anarchy, both great roles that you played. Um, you know, you've also been in Transformers. Um, Rockstar. There's there's a lot of things that you. There's a long, long list, isn't there? And to be fair. Um, oh,
1: yes, they're long listed in for me. <laughs> um, no, actually, Sharon, Sharon Bialy, who cast Breaking Bad, also cast Rockstar. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she's been a fan of mine and a very, very good casting person. And Transformers, uh, you know, Michael Bay. I first met Michael. Michael had come out of commercials, Mm -hmm. and he was shooting this commercial for Black & Decker, which makes uh, a company that makes uh, power tools like electric saws and drills and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he had this very... God, I I want to say almost kind of James Bond idea (laughs) where... um, the Bond and uh, the Black and Decker guy was stuck on this train and he was being chased through the train uh, Came this attaché case by myself, uh, an actor named Udo Kerr, um, this gorgeous fan fatale who I can't remember her name at this time. Um, but we chase him through to the back of the train and he holds up inside one of these restrooms and out of his attaché case, pulls out a saw and cuts a hole in the wall and a helicopter comes by and drops a rope ladder and it climbs out of the train <laughs> and onto the rope ladder and flies away on the helicopter.
0: Very 007.
1: And, and gets away from us. Yeah. Well, you know, all the other passengers on the train were uh, women that Michael had hired from the Playboy Club okay. in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, you know, all the other extras, you know, you're walking along in the train and there are these absolutely, you know, beautiful women all sitting around the train yep. that, uh, you know, weren't talking to me. You know, it was like, <laughs> I can't be bothered with that guy. Uh, <laughs> but it was very, very funny and Michael got a big kick out of that. And he had Oh, God, he was working on uh, Pearl Harbor. And oh. I was doing another film at the time. Hmm. And Lorraine Mayfield, who had cat, cast a lot of things for Michael Bay, and she also cast a lot of things for David Fincher, hmm. um, had, had me in for um, Pearl Harbor. But they wanted me to work on it. But they didn't know what role, and they didn't know when. And in the meantime, I was doing this small film that I was shooting in Salt Lake City mm. that I was going to wrap, and then I was going to fly back to Michigan because I had two friends of mine who both had daughters that were getting married on the same day, on the same weekend, wow. that they both wanted me to come to the weddings. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll fly back, I'll go to the one wedding in the afternoon, and then I'll leave, and I'll go to the reception of the other wedding.
0: Because yeah, Because there's no way I can
1: be physically at both of them.
0: No. So, when did that. And these are sons
1: of mine that I've known for a long, long time. And we're toasting the daughters, and we're in our cups and enjoying ourselves. And while I'm out going to this, and this is before... I'm really going to date myself before, you know, I had a cell phone or anything, and I'm running all over the place doing this. And I get home back to my folks' house, my parents' home, and they said, you know, your agent's been trying to get a hold of you. They called. They want you to work on Pearl Harbor. Um, And this was on a Saturday. They want you in Texas tomorrow Oh. So I had to leave and drive, you know, um, from my parents' home in southwestern Michigan into Chicago, get on a plane, fly down to Texas, literally get off the plane, go to a costume fitting, And I don't even know what role I'm playing. I haven't even seen a script. I have no idea. Wow. And, uh, you know, I spend the night. They have a band come and pick me up in the morning, and they take me down to the location. And we're shooting on an aircraft a period aircraft carrier from World War II. And Captain Michener, uh the captain of this aircraft carrier, and I've got to see where Alec Baldwin's running up to tell me, you know, the Japanese are coming, we've got to do here, you know, we've got to get these planes out and all this stuff. And he comes running up and seeing this, and I still haven't even seen the script.
0: What? And he runs up to the end of the scene and does this, and I start laughing.
1: Oh. So he's very indignant. And he's like, Why are you laughing? It's like, Alex, I don't even have script yet. I don't know if you're talking to me. I'm assuming you're talking to me. <laughs> and Michael's like, Oh, you haven't gotten a script yet. Oh, we've got to get you one of those. Oh, um, my. <laughs> and I, I just thought it was comical. So, and, you know, within that. Uh, little time frame right there we see all these different takes of me reacting to this reacting to this and they had a naval advisor there saying uh you know michael he wouldn't do that he's captain,
0: he wouldn't do that and michael said i don't do that. let's do it We're gonna, you know, we'll, we'll make this work you know
1: yeah and we get done with all these multiple takes and out comes up and it goes See, it wasn't so funny. And I laughed again. And I said, well, you know, it was when I got here. It's like, I'm glad we got to a good point with it. <laughs> but worked on that. I mean, he got the biggest kick out of me laughing at Alec Baldwin. He said, how long are you supposed to be here? And I'm like, Michael, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Nobody's told Yeah, no anything. one's told you. Yeah.
1: He goes, well, you know what? You're going to be here for a little while. So he had me there for the next two weeks. And I really... Wow. Didn't do that much. He was like, "Oh, go go stand over there by that that i Wow. Like, okay, <laughs> and just hung out there for a while, and then you know, finally went 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 back to L.A. And then when he did Transformers, it was literally they called up and said, "Hey, would Mike be interested in playing this role?" and ended up doing it.
0: Wow. So all that from laughing, you just. You just hit a... You well, hit you
1: know, it was just ridiculous. And, and he's <laughs> kind of a character himself. Michael is. Himself.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard, I've heard. Any any future plans? Any future projects?
1: No, it's, it's weird in that, you know, I'm going to date myself very much here. Uh, when I first started, if you were going to do something, you'd have to drive over to the
0: studio or drive over to the casting office to yep. get the script. Yeah. What it was you were going to go in and read for, or what you were cast in. Yeah. And then it went
1: to fax machine that could fax you the material. And then, you know, so you had email, and, you know, and it's become the whole electronic thing now. Well, now, costing is even getting to the point where you're bypassing all of that and you sit at home and puts your own tape together
0: Mm. of your audition for whatever
1: role you're up for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, you know, uh, screaming and yelling and dragging my, you know, knuckles on the ground, Mm. moving into the modern era to do this. And, uh, you know, my daughter helps me with it, my son does, and my wife does too. Yeah. But I'd much rather for myself be in the room to interact with the director and the casting people and do that. I think that that's a plus for me, that works in my favor. Um, yes. but I'm getting better at the taping myself at home and it's become a necessity. You have to get better at it or you're not gonna get any more work. That's the way So it's going. I don't really have that being said, I don't really have a project ahead that I'm looking forward to doing here shortly, but um when something comes about, we'll let you know
0: ben. yeah d- definitely and um you know it's just like I say it's been amazing to to speak to someone who's 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 had just such a good career with their accent and you know it sounds like you've had a blast really um is a there, is a there last last question before before I bore you to tears. Um, any any advice for upcoming actors, or not just upcoming actors, but people who want to pursue the arts or something that's a bit, you know, just not a nine to five?
1: Um, I would think my biggest thing would be is find your community.
0: Right.
1: And, and what I mean by that is... Uh, find like-minded individuals okay. like yourself yeah. that are into doing what you like to do.
0: Right.
1: Um, so you can support and help each other. It's, you know, the odds uh, short of, um, most of it is very um, collaborative. In nature. Um, I mean, you know, granted, if you're a writer, you get a hole up in your your garret, you know, right away, or if you're a painter, you know, do it on your spot. But, you know, as far as film and theater, it's very much a collaborative effort. And find those people that help you do it. I've been really, really fortunate that I've had a wife who was believed. being all over the place mm-hmm. and uh, you know kids that actually don't mind talking to me now I think probably in the younger years there were times they found it very difficult but at least now are in a good place with it which I'm very grateful for and uh, find those people that support you believe in you um, and allow you to be who you're going to be you know because yeah. You think you have to be this person or that person or I've got to be an actor to like so-and-so or I've got to be um, this type of personality be yourself because um, there's no one else like you. You're the one and only of yourself and, uh, and be proud of that and let that be the thing that shines.
0: I love that, that's that's great, and I couldn't agree more, I feel like you've got to surround yourself with like-minded individuals, otherwise you're just going to get dragged down, aren't you? Um, but that's that's great advice, and honestly, like I say, um, thank you for, for taking the time to speak to me, it really has been a pleasure. Ben, um,
1: thank you for wanting to talk to me. You know, you. I, you, I told my wife, I'm always amazed when anybody wants to ask me anything, so... No.
0: No, you're you're Thanks. a star.
1: You're a star. Well, Ben, good luck with your podcast.
0: It's great. It's been it's been. A-